Today we are going to teach you everything you ever wanted to know about punting in the NFL. Jets punter Thomas Morstead joins me for an in-depth look at the position. We're going to talk about Aaron Rodgers. We'll talk about plenty more ahead on Locked On Jets. You are Locked On Jets. Your daily New York Jets podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Welcome, this is the Locked On Jets podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's Friday, June 9th, 2023, and I'm your host, John B. from GangGreenNation.com. Thanking you so much for making the show your first listen or first watch every day. Subscribe to the show for free on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts so that you'll get new episodes as soon as they are posted. If you're listening on a podcast source and enjoy the show, please give it a five-star review. And if you're watching on YouTube, give this episode a big thumbs up. These things help us out and help other Jets fans find Locked On Jets. Today's episode of Locked On Jets is brought to you by Bird Dogs. Go to birddogs.com slash LockedOnNFL. And when you enter promo code LockedOnNFL, they will throw in a free custom Bird Dogs Yeti-style tumbler with every offer. Today we have a special guest. It is Jets punter Thomas Morstead. Morstead punted with the Jets during the 2021 season while Braden Mann was injured. He left. He spent some time with the Miami Dolphins last season, but now he's back with the New York Jets. Thomas and I are going to discuss punting in the NFL. He offers a lot of in-depth insight about a position not many people know about. We also talk about Aaron Rodgers' impact with the Jets. We talk about plenty more. So let's jump into my discussion with Jets punter Thomas Morstead. Here today with Jets punter Thomas Morstead. Thomas, thank you so much for joining me. Yeah, you got it, John. And well, welcome back to the Jets, because I know you spent some time with the team back in 2021 and you re-signed this offseason. I'm interested, what brought you back to New York? Um, well, I think the simplest way to put it is, uh, you know, I thought I was going to go back to Miami and that just, that didn't, uh, that didn't take place. And so I, you know, I was kind of keep my eyes on what other options were out there. And um, if I could say one top thing, it would probably be Brant Boyer and uh, Thomas Hennessy. Um I really enjoyed my time a few years ago. And, um, you know, when you go to a new place, there's uncertainty with personalities and, and uh, the people that you have to work with and, you know, the quality of play that those people have that you depend on. And when those are certain and the people that you work with, you love being around, um, you know, it was that was as simple as that is the way I could put it. I mean, it was, uh, I really enjoyed my time and uh, Brand Boyer and Thomas Hennessey would be number, reason number one. What is it about Boyer that you, that drew you so much to him? Well, um, I could make that a, a really long answer. I'll try not to keep it too long, but um, you know, Brant played in the league for over a decade and he, there's, there's something when your coach has played the game at the highest level, um, it's just there's certain things that coaches that haven't played, they just don't they don't maybe fully understand sometimes. And, um, you know, he gets it and he wears his heart on his sleeve. And I, I love that about him. You know, you always know where you stand with him and uh, the level of communication and transparency is like second to none. And, uh, you know, I've been with a lot of different coaches now 
And um, just the way he deals with his players, um, you know, he gives you the answers to the test and his standards are high. His expectations are high. And, um, you know, that's what I want to be around. So um, he also played for a, a really great coach back in the day called Frank Gans Sr., who I've had the good fortune of uh, playing for my final year of college. And he's like an all-time great special teams guru coach. And we both have that connection. And it's, a, you know, anybody that played for Frank um, has kind of a bond. And so we shared that immediately. And um, both probably would credit Frank with a lot of our success playing and coaching for, for Brant. So, um, yeah, that's what I'd say about that. Now, Thomas, I'm very excited to do this because I don't really know a lot about punting. So I feel like uh, this is going to be very informative. Now, some of the people who follow me probably say, I don't know anything about football at all, not just punting, but we're going to stick to punting. Um, you mentioned Thomas Hennessy was the long snapper and I'm just, uh, that's a really interesting thing to me. Uh, can you talk about the importance of the relation of the long snapper when you're a punter? Yeah. I mean, uh, <clears throat> you know, I guess the best way to put it is I, um, you know, I can't punt the ball until he throws it to me. And so, um, you know, just having a, you know, a trust, there's synergy with certain guys that I've worked with where um, you, you kind of, know each other's ins and outs, you know, where, you know, strength and weaknesses are. And you can kind of like uh, sometimes with different players, you're able to kind of synergize what, what he does well will enable me to do what I'm good at even better. So, um, and there's lots of little details that sounds ridiculous, but obviously accuracy is important and the speed of the ball getting back to you. But, you know, some snappers have a hitch and Thomas really doesn't have one. So uh, essentially that, that means that, um, you know, some guys have to throw it really fast because they have a hitch before they have, before they actually snap it. So teams can kind of get a good jump on. Um, and he's just a veteran guy. Like he's been around the block. He knows what's expected. He's seen it all and done it all uh, as far as doing his job. And, um, you know, it's just a lot of confidence that comes with that. And, and, you know, quite honestly, we spend more time with each other during the season than we do with our own families. So, um, you know, getting along with somebody and having similar values is, is uh, it's really nice to have. And uh, at this point in my career, you know, to have that is more important than anything. So it's, it's uh, really exciting. I apologize. This might be a silly question, but is it something in a long snapper you look for the ball, get to you at a certain velocity or put it in a certain spot? Everybody's different. You know, I would say a strength of mine is, is not covering much ground. So my uh, punting, you know, mechanics are very, uh, I don't cover up almost any distance. I, I would say I'm a shorter distance covered than almost anybody in the league. Um, and so for me, a guy that throws a ball super hard or super fast is is not necessarily what I exactly want I want a guy that's gonna throw me a ball that's maybe a little easier to catch something that's not as aggressively fast but something that's um you know relatively accurate precise and that's what he does and it allows me to really do what I do well um but some guys are they take up a lot of t distance or they hold on to the ball longer and maybe they want that ball, maybe they have better hands and the way they do things, they want to 
you know, they want to, um, they want to have that ball in their hand as fast as possible. And so, you know, everybody's got their own things. You know, some guys like catching the ball with their hands, you know, up like a receiver. And I love catching a ball low. So sometimes you'll see me on a high snap actually kind of, it almost looks awkward to catch like that, but that's the way I drop. So I don't want to have to shift my hands. So there's all sorts of little details in it. Get to know each other. You know, Thomas will know where I, if he's going to miss, I'd rather miss low than high. Some guys hate catching a ball low and, you know, they'll shank it every time if they get that and they want it high, even if they have to raise up and jump a little bit for it, they'd always rather overhand. So um, everybody's different and you just kind of, hopefully you work with a guy that um, will kind of hedge his bets on how he's snapping and be able to make adjustments so that we can work together and do really well. Today's episode of Locked On Jets is brought to you by Bird Dogs. Thomas Morstead makes the Jets' defense look good by giving them good field position. Well, Bird Dogs makes you look good. Bird Dogs stretch khaki shorts are designed to fit slimmer through the thigh and leg, giving you a truly sculpted look. Bird Dog shorts do exactly the same thing as Lululemon, but fit way better. They fit better than regular shorts that are made of a stiff, restricting cotton. Bird Dogs fixed this issue by inventing cloud-knit fabric that looked just like khaki, but stretches so that you get a way slimmer fit without having to sacrifice movement. Bird Dogs uses anti-stick sweating wicking fabric that keeps you cool and dry all day long. In fact, if there was a piece of clothing that was like Thomas Morstead, Thomas Morstead's an effective punter, Bird Dogs is an absolutely fantastic fashion item, and it works great. And now you can go to birddogs.com slash LockedOnNFL and enter promo code LockedOnNFL. That's all one word with no space, L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N-N-F-L, for a free Yeti-style tumbler with your order. Again, that's birddogs.com slash LockedOnNFL for a free Yeti-style tumbler. You won't want to take your bird dogs off. We promise you. I think you have a really interesting perspective on the Jets uh, situation because you were there in 2021, which was kind of like the first year of this build. It was a very young team with Robert Sala. And now expectations are obviously so different with Aaron Rodgers. And I know we're just getting past OTAs right now, but could you kind of compare where the team was in 2021 with where things are at the moment? Um, Yeah. I mean, look, there's a lot of younger players um, that were there in 2021 that are still here. And, um, you know, much like a player, I'm sure it's the same with the team as a whole. You know, a lot of times that third year, it's kind of like, all right, well, you know, we really should be who we're going to be. By the time you get to your third year, you should have a lot of things figured out. And, um, you know, I think expectations are obviously very high. And uh, that's from the players, uh, coaches, uh, TV networks. Obviously, they've got us playing all sorts of prime time, crazy schedule games. So, uh, but that's all exciting. That's what you want. I mean, if you had a schedule filled with one o'clock Eastern kickoffs, you know, that probably says that either no one's excited to watch you play or no one's expecting you to be any good. So it's exciting to have kind of all of these different uh, 4.30 games and eight o'clock games. And, um, you know, I think what's important for our team is that we, you know, everybody's building off of their own experiences from the past um, individually, but as a team, you know, there's new players uh, every year and there's, and the team chemistry will will be different than it was last year. And so you have to kind of, you know, you got to kind of lay a new foundation. You're building a new house from scratch in a way. 
And so um, ho hopefully everybody has that sort of attitude that that uh, we haven't done anything yet. And uh, we're going to go we're going to have to go earn everything and uh, we're going to have a target on our back all season long because of those expectations. And um, I think if everybody's aware of that and and uh, kind of keeps a good head on their shoulders, we'll you know, we'll have a shot to to uh, maximize our potential this season. I know you're a special teamer and he's obviously the quarterback, but can you speak to uh, the impact you see Aaron Rodgers having on this team already? Yeah, I think, you know, number one, I thing I've noticed about Aaron already is, you know, he knows everybody's name in the locker room, people that work in support, equipment managers, um, people in the kitchen, the weight room staff, nutrition, sports performance. Um, he's obviously made a concerted effort to get everybody's name down very quickly. And uh, that matters, you know, it matters. We need everybody in the building um, going in the same direction and feeling valued because um, that's just important. So I've been very impressed with that. Also, <clears throat> I think just his, uh, you know, I remember being out there, you know, right when he got signed and it's just, it, it's, it, you know, he's different than Drew Brees. I had spent a lot of time with Drew, but there's a, there's a similarity in the fact that just uh, the, there's a, there's a, an electricity around somebody like that. Um, it naturally raises everybody's level of expectation. And I think having to feel like you, to, to know in your heart that you know you have a chance um, to kind of go as far as possible, um, to really know that is exciting. Uh, you know, every team is excited about the new year and the new season, but I think deep down, you know, 60% of teams know they don't have a shot to win this year. And um, and when you're one of those teams that does feel like you do have a legitimate shot, that's just, that's, that's exciting. Now, I know Robert Sala decided to cancel the veteran mini camp uh, because the team is playing an early preseason game. So you get a little bit extra training camp time. If other people ask me about that, does that does the mini camp, does the offseason program have an impact? And I don't know because I don't play in the NFL. So I'm just curious your thoughts on the impact you think the offseason program has overall and you know the role of the mini camp that you know the Jets aren't having this year because they have the extra training camp time. Um <clears throat> yeah, look, I think um you know, I think the offseason is important on a lot of levels. Um you know, obviously coaches want to have all their players there as much as possible to just be getting to know each other, building some sort of team chemistry. Um, and they obviously want to see how guys look, you know, is a guy looking like they're out of shape or they're coming off an injury? Are they, are they actually getting better? Are they, you know, making progress? They, you know, all those things that you can be uncertain about that you, you want to have some certainty. And if you need to make decisions about certain guys or, bringing new people in uh, from that side of the, the, you know, teams obviously want to see guys as often as possible and know where they're at. Um, I think for young players in particular that are learning new things and, and, uh, and, you know, trying to earn a spot on the roster. Uh, I do think a lot of those guys, um, they really value uh, being around that. And I think there's plenty of guys that feel like, you know, they think, they'd rather not even have OTAs and they do what they want on their own. Um, you know, 
you know, I think an interesting idea is, is, you know, I think it's kind of silly that we have an OTA schedule for nine weeks and then guys go away for five or six weeks. And then we have to have this, you know, very short ramp up period to go on a hundred miles an hour in training camp. So, um, you know, there's pluses and minuses to it. I think ideally it would be like, we would just have a few sets of OTA weeks leading up to training camp, you know, maybe call it after July 4th and, you know, kind of have a slower ramp up and, and maybe a little bit longer of a camp, but no, no nine week off season in the spring. Um, but that's above my pay grade. So. I appreciate the answer. Um, something I've always wondered when you punt, uh, to what extent are you kind of trying to work in concert with the coverage unit? Do you, when they make a punt call, are you trying to like kick the ball to a specific area to kind of make sure the coverage guys are in the right spot? How much of it is coordinated? How much of it is you're just trying to hit a good punt? Um, well, I think that's both in the same. I think, yeah, um, it's very important for cer especially certain players on a punt team to know exactly where I'm trying to punt the ball um, because what th their action that they'll take, you know, the gunners in particular is very related to where I'm, where I'm trying to put it. Um, you know, uh, in particular, Justin Hardy is a guy that we spent his first four years were in new Orleans. And um, I say that four or three or four, um, but the beginning of his career and we, we did a lot of awesome things together. And so, that's another reason for coming back is, is, uh, you know, when you got a guy like that, that you kind of can, you know, I always feel like if, if I do my job at the highest level and he does his job at the highest level, it's, it, it's, it can be a dead play a lot of times. And, um, and so, you know, um, yeah, I think it's very important. I mean, I think that's why they brought me back is hopefully my uh, ability to be very consistent with putting the ball where I say it's going to go. Can you give me something that the average fan would not realize about punting? Is there something nuanced that, you know, that would surprise the typical person watching the game? Um, well, yeah, I would say, um, what would I think that would be? Yeah, I, I would just say that, you know, there is so much um, there's so much variety in how certain guys play the game. You know, there's be kind of like looking at pitchers and that some guys are some guys a guy that can throw 103 miles an hour and that's his only pitch. There's guys like that that punt in the NFL. There's guys that are like Greg Maddox that are, you know, hitting four different areas of the plate on command. Um, that throw 92, you know, there's guys that have four different pitches and hit four different balls or five different balls and uh, are keeping you off, you know, on your toes that way. So uh, there's sidearm pitchers, right? There's, there's guys that do all sorts of different type of punts in different situations. And, um, and it's pretty amazing to me, the variety that's out there that all have the same job title as punter of an NFL team. Now, when you're holding for a field goal attempt or an extra point, is it similar with kickers where they all like different things from their holder? Yes, definitely. So you have to get to know your kicker uh, and exactly what's important to them. Some guys, uh, some guys are more particular than others. 
some guys are harder to deal with than others. Um, some guys just have uh, some guys. It's never their fault. Some guys, it's always their fault, uh, even if it's not. Um, and so it's, it's uh, that that trust and that relationship that you try to build is very, very important. And, uh, you know, I, I view my job as kind of a, a medium between Thomas Hennessy and Greg Zerline is, you know, hopefully you guys never even say a word about me. And um, all you see is, 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 a, is a great picture for Greg to be super successful every time. Is it similar with Hennessy on the uh, holding for the field goals? Does he put the ball where you want it, where you want him to put it? I hope he does. Um, yeah. I mean, like you said, I, I, you know, we, we all understand what we're trying to do. Um, but you know, if, if he gives me a less than stellar snap, my job is to make it to where Greg is oblivious to that. Uh, and so, you know, we all pick each other up. I think that the important thing is that we all have um, almost unreasonably high standards for uh, performance and expectations of our own selves. And uh, when you got guys that, that are like that, that their bar is higher than, than what your bar is for them, then everybody's generally works really well together. And my last question for you is about a guy who I think – coached you briefly with the Saints he's one of my favorite football coaches of all time he spent a lot of time with the Jets and that's Mike Westhoff and I know he was with the Saints briefly what can you tell me about Westhoff oh man where do I start um we always joke that he invented football because uh, he'll tell you he, he'll tell you he's started in a lot of uh, trends and special teams um uh, you know he's a borderline arrogant guy um He's been amazing. Uh, his career has been amazing and his units produce. Um, I stay in touch with Mike. We probably talk every two or three weeks. I love the guy. I love playing for him. Um, he just, he is, uh, I'll say this, he's not for everybody, uh, but I, I loved, loved playing for him. One of my all-time favorites. And, um, you know, we got on really well because, to be quite honest, the standard was so high. But for both of us, we just um, – it was nice being around it. I really enjoyed playing for him. Um, I know he's out in Denver now. I think he's the assistant head coach out in Denver. So I'll be looking forward to seeing him on the field this year uh, when we make our way out to the Broncos. Thomas, thank you so much. You provided you, – I learned so much from talking to you today. Oh, you got it. I'm, I'm glad to do it, John. Thank you. That's all for today's episode. Thanks so much to Thomas Morstead for stopping by. This has been the Locked On Jets podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day is our motto. As always, if you enjoy the show, hit the subscribe button where you're watching or listening so that you'll never miss an episode. If you're listening on the podcast source, please, a five-star review helps us out. So just giving this episode a big thumbs up if you're watching on YouTube. Enjoy your weekend. We'll be back next week to talk more Jets.